I don't know. I don't. I don't know. So we'll see. All Moving right. On. <laughs> yeah. Let's start this. Start this lawnmower. Yeah. Uh, hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that's not feeling so good, Mister Stark. I'm Max. And I am Jr. How's it going? Uh, it's fine. I'm generally in a holding pattern of just the 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 place where you're not in the fetal position yet. Hmm. Right. Um. But you're on your way. But you're no, not. I think. I, the problem is, I I think I've just stonewalled myself right there, where I'm not okay. gonna even tip over one way or the other, and that's like worse. Um, yeah, because I've been oh, hey everybody, I've been going to therapy. Um, this isn't a thing we need to spend too much time on, but if you're listening to this and you think uh, everything is a lot and possibly has been for years. You you can go to therapy. It's fine. Um, I was resistant for a really long time, not because of any outside forces. Mainly, I just thought I didn't need it. And uh, I finally got to a point where, no, no, no. Um, And I asked for help, and it's actually been going pretty well. Uh, and one of the things, the reason I bring it up is one of the things that I'm learning is that that place that I just described myself, where I'm not in the fetal position yet, that's actually not the healthiest place to be in because it means you're not allowing any of the anxiety and emotion to release. Um, it's just sitting there building up on top of you and, uh, yeah, you need to breathe out and let it all go. But that's all I needed to say about that. Um, you know. Well, I think I think most people could benefit from therapy to some degree. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, I've I've been doing therapy for several years now. Um, it took it took being hospitalized for me to get help. Um, but get help. It it's so much better. It's it, so much. And it's okay. I'm not, I'm not fixed. I oh, will no. never be fixed. No. But, but, it, it helps. And it's okay. And sometimes the people, that's what you need. And the people around you, um, want you to feel better. Um, mm-hmm. and they, nobody is going to be like, oh, you're particularly damaged. That's not the right way to look at it. It's, um, they are interested in how it's going with you and they want to know maybe some of your processes and stuff. Um, and what, what we're doing. So everybody reach out to everybody else, uh, especially right now. And, uh, yep. Okay. Well, yeah. And this situation, um, by which I mean all of these situations, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe exacerbating something that's been underlying for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, and if that's the case, that's okay. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's honestly, you know, uh, 
you know, for me, for me, uh, we, the thing, the thing that really led to my getting help was, um, we got a dog and it was really stressful and I just did not react well to it. I crashed hard and that was the thing that caused me to be hospitalized not the dog itself the dog was not the dog but it was just it was i had all of these other things going on and then the stress of getting a dog adjusted fucked me and uh you know like it 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 happens just do what you got to do you know um there's no shame in it there's no shame in needing help there's no shame in um bottoming out uh you know life is life is hard and it's gotten so much harder yeah um just in general modern life is hard you know and i i don't know just you know Take care of yourselves. Do do what you, do what you need, and uh, you know, I. If you are listening to this and uh, you don't know what to do, uh, I'm on Twitter. My DMs are open. Shoot me a, shoot me a message, and I'll I can listen. I can commiserate. I'll fuck. I I'm not doing anything, so. <laughs> You know, you're trying to teach math to a one year old, or not? A, is she seven? She's six. Six. Uh, okay. But even so, I get I get tired, and I'm just like, <laughs> go, go go play in your room. Uh, so anyway, but moving on. Um, get help. Yep, it helps. But yeah, Father's Day. Uh, oh, yeah. I. I bring the I bring this up for one sole reason, and that is because so I got I got money for Father's Day, um, and I am I got a fair amount of money, and uh, I'm splitting it half. I'm going to donate, and half I'm using to get the wave of Age of Apocalypse Marvel Legends. Ooh, and yeah. I just wanna I want to vent my frustration about something real quick. Please um, do. Multiple man figure that I bought. Yep. Three heads. Nightcrawler figure that I bought. Three heads, couple extra hands. Archangel figure that I bought. Three heads. Uh, so on and so on down the line. Figure of Morph from Age of Apocalypse. Shapeshifter. Acts like a living cartoon. No extra parts whatsoever. Shit. Really? Like, seriously. Like... He's just, he's standing there, he's got clenched fists, and he's just got a, like, hmm, kind of face on. And it's just like, really, guys? And I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether it's a result of, I think it may be, we know you're going to buy this anyway. We know you're going to buy this anyway. Are they still doing the Build-A-Figure? Yeah, this, uh, this wave is Sugar Man. Um, gross. 
Yeah, but I, I you know, I loved Generation Next. Uh, I loved I loved Generation X, and then I loved the Age of Apocalypse version, and that's where Sugar Man first showed up. So I'm on board. But the the thing about it is, none of the figures. The only figure in that line that I've gotten so far, and I have the other three coming soon, uh, is the only extra piece is Weapon X has an extra thing that you can pop on, so his claws are popping out of the cap on his hand, on his arm. That's it. None of them come with extra parts, but Morph not coming with any? Yeah. That's a, that's a fucking travesty. Yeah. Anyway. I just, I had to vent my frustration about that, because that's some bullshit. Um, but anyway, news. Uh, I guess we'll start, first of all, with uh, Joe Sinodite. And uh, if you've been listening to the show even remotely recently, uh, his name comes up a lot. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I saw a quote from Stan Lee saying that Joe, having Joe Sinnott ink your book for a lot of artists was like grabbing the brass ring. Um, and but yeah, because every, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Inkers save artists. Um, oh, yeah. They yeah. like or ruin them. Which, <laughs> uh, but well, like, yeah. But Joe was Sinnott was the one where it was like. He made did he did a lot of Don Heck. He did a lot of everybody. Like he did everybody. I mean, he did everybody's work. We we we've been talking about him a lot on the show, just book after book. Yeah, inked by Joe Sinnott. Inked by Joe Sinnott. Um, weirdly, weirdly, this week nothing inked by him. That fucking but, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> But it's and just, I it's, hate it. It's so odd because yeah. yeah, normally week after week it's just like book after book is inked by Joe Sinnott, and this week nothing that I can recall. Um, but anyway, it is it is truly a pity, and you know, I I know, and certainly chasing Amy made a joke of this. Inkers are artists. I mean, you uh, somebody posted. Somebody posted a picture, a drawing Joe Sinnott did for them when they were younger. And the guy was a brilliant artist. And oh, yeah. you you have only to look at, you know, the work that... I mean, have you ever seen... Jim Lee's pencils are a lot. Oh, yeah. No, and his... And the lot people that ink... The people that ink Jim Lee's art... I'm not saying Jim Lee is a bad artist. I'm just saying he has a lot of pencil work that does not make its way to the page. And it is the responsibility of the inker to take the art that the artist does and, you know, choose what lines are actually going to make it to the page. And that's a big responsibility. And that's not tracing. So... Uh, rest in peace, Joe Sinnott. And, uh, yeah. Damn. Um, 
Which brings us to our other news story. Um, so a lot of allegations have come out this week uh, against a lot of comics pros, uh, some of whom have had allegations in the past, some of whom have not. Um, there, there were accusations against... Um, uh, Warren Ellis, and apparent what I'm reading here says that over 60 people have accused Ellis of grooming. Um, Cameron Stewart, Brendan Wright, Brian Wood came up at one point, uh, and Dark Horse editor Scott Alley. Um, and, you know, the thing, the thing about it is, um, these things are a big deal. Um, it is not, it is not a question of, well, dudes are just going to use anything they can to get laid. The fact of the matter is that this is a very serious issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many careers have ended prematurely? Mm -hmm. Because either they've been chased off by the people in question or because... People have ended their careers rather than deal with, uh, you know, they've either they've had their careers quashed is what I'm trying to say, or they leave voluntarily rather than deal with the people who get up to this shit. And, and it's one of those things like in all of these situations, the the phrase that comes up repeatedly is open secret you know people talk about well scott alley was an open secret around dark horse he could not be in his office with a woman with the door shut and it's just like then why did he still have a job and the fact of the matter is you know you can say you can say whatever you want about a person's talent um and certainly, I I love Warren Ellis's writing. I do. Um, but, you know, I'll happily, I'll happily never support anything he, he ever does again. Because I, there is undoubtedly another writer out there who is just as talented, but doesn't do this shit. Right. And... You know, the only way this shit stops is by uh, rooting it out, by holding the people involved accountable, and by uh, running them out of the industry. And people complain about cancel culture and stuff like that. In my experience... Very few people are actually canceled. Yep. Uh, 
If you if you've never watched some more news, Cody Johnston did a brilliant video about cancel culture and about how generally speaking what most people refer to as cancel culture is just people being held accountable for the shit they say. Not even not even actual consequences, but just just criticism for the shit they say and do. That's not being canceled. And you know, the fact of the matter is I would trade I would gladly trade any number of Warren Ellis's, any number of any of these guys uh, for an industry that anyone can feel comfortable in. Yeah. And uh, so you know, kudos to the people that are coming forward. Uh, and I, you know, Dark Horse, Dark Horse has ended their relationship with Scott Alley, uh, as has uh, Mike Magnola. The, you know, the the question, of course, is people knew about shit Scott Alley was getting up to and they continued to work with him. So how much does that mean? And... Uh, that's something that every person has to decide for themselves. Uh, Dark Horse claims that they're going to be making changes going forward, and I hope they do. But we'll see. Yeah. Believe women. Anyway. Believe women, definitely. You know, and people, people bitch about, like, well, what if women are lying? Well, statistically, they don't. Like, yeah, you can you can find one or two outliers. There's always just like some dude who's just like, well, what about this woman? And it's like, you know why that's news? Because they don't normally do that. Like, that's why she's news is because that's not the way it normally goes. So believe women. And that doesn't that doesn't, you know, that doesn't preclude the presumption of innocence. It just means that. You know, our society doesn't believe women about anything. Well, and this isn't so. These these particular creators, like that's the news. But the problem is what you were alluding to, which is the system that supports them behind the scenes. That's like, yeah. um, well, let's. Even though if it's an open secret that somebody is a dickhead and can't be alone in an office with somebody, then why are you keeping them around? Like, that's right. the system we're talking about. Not... Right. Because, these particular... Because in, those are symptoms. The, the, these creators are symptoms of a, of a disease that is pervasive inside a lot of industries. Um, comics is just having its moment now. Like, that's, yeah. uh, that's it. So. And the, the, the problem that comes in situations like this is, well, you can say, you know, some dipshits will probably say, well, then just don't work with them. But what does that mean? If you if can't an get editor, past them, <laughs> if an editor who works, first of all, that means you can't go to cons that you know they're going to be at because they're going to try and grope you. You can't work on books 
that they're involved with. So, like, if the if the editor of a of the Batman books is a sexual predator, then guess what? Guess what, ladies? That just means you're not working on Batman. It's one of the biggest books in comics, but you don't get to work on it because this asshole can't be trusted yeah. not to try and stick it in you. <laughs> and that's the problem. It's not just... It's it's one of those things of people people bitch about like well we can't destroy people's livelihoods because of accusations, but the fact of the matter is how many lives and careers have been destroyed because yeah. of this guy, and you know, like, and I'm sorry, human beings are forgiving. Human beings are forgiving. If you put in the work, if you make a genuine effort to change, cancel culture can't affect you. You can go, I'm sorry, I've learned my lesson, I'm doing the work, and then you put in the work, and people will fucking support you. Yeah. You know? Dan Harmon yeah, has apologized and made efforts. How successful he's been, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, I've seen people defending him for putting in the effort. And it's like, if you put, if you are shown to be putting in the effort, people will stand up for you. Yeah. If you're not, then fuck you. Get out of comics. I don't want you. No. Sorry. Anyway. Guess we should probably talk about comics while we're here. <laughs> um... <laughs> Especially since we do have a minor time constraint today. So, yeah, let's yeah. rock it ahead. So. Uh, Incredible Hulk number 210 has a cover by Ernie Chan and Dan Danny Crespi, written by Len Wein, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Ernie Chan, colored by Glynis Wein, and lettered by John Costanza, then edited by Len Wein. Uh, who? Who cares? Okay. Yeah. Hulk is asleep in an alley and he's found by Dr. Druid who's just like, hey, I need your help with something. They go back to Banner's apartment and April's like, oh my god, I'm so glad you're okay. Uh, they go up to his room. Um, Dr. Druid is just like, so there's a guy I need help with and it's the uh, Mahayogi. Now, previously we've encountered this guy as the evil Merlin. Uh, it turns out he was he was there at the same time Ulysses Bloodstone was. Uh, the gem cracked and exploded. The one piece got embedded in Ulysses Bloodstone, and uh, he's now lived forever. Another piece was found by the Mahayogi, uh, and has allowed him to live for as long as he has. Uh, they keep referring to him as a mutant, but he's not. Um, yeah, doesn't the power come from the gym? The shard? Well, the, he has he has multiple powers that he's honed over the years, but he's not a mutant. He, okay. he actually has been granted power both by the, I believe it's called the Hellfire Helix yes. that he has. Um, no, I'm sorry. The overall gem was called the Hellfire Helix. Uh, 
I forget what the actual base he had or the piece he has is called. Uh, but he's granted longevity by that and certain other powers, but then he also has power that he was granted by somebody else. And yada, 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 yada. Um, we encounter Mangu, who showed up in Man-Thing and had his axe uh, melded to his hand because he felt fear. Um, so yeah, uh, Druid and, and Banner go looking for uh, the Mahayogi. Um, and uh, they fight him. The Mahayogi and the and Doctor Druid both try to control the Hulk simultaneously. Uh, at which point, Hulk like blinks out and collapses. Um, in addition to this, there's also Betty and everybody saying goodbye to Glenn as he leaves. Uh, but. The one thing I really like is, you know, at the end of this, uh, at the end of this scene, Doc Samson tries to say, like, come on, Betty, let's go back to the, and she's just like, slow your fucking roll, man. Yeah, he like, just, she's immediately like, okay, thanks, and all that, but like, I'm going away. Um, yeah. And He's like, what? I thought we were going to bone now. Or something, whatever. In light of our previous yeah. conversations. In poor uh, taste, I apologize. But he, <sighs> she's like, um, no, I have to go. I have to go. Uh, I need to become an active participant in the running of my own life. And I know just where to start. Yeah. And we get a little more of that, I think, next issue. Yeah. Um. The other thing I want to mention is that April, when when Banner comes back, she's just like, he's got secrets and I'm going to find out what they are. And it's just like, lady, leave the guy alone. Like, he's taking strange men up to his room. For all you know, he's gay at a time when that's not something people really wanted getting around. So maybe it's none of your business. Yeah. And like, as a reader, I know he's Hulk and lady stay away but also just as a human being leave the poor guy the <laughs> fuck alone like if he wants to tell you he'll tell you if he doesn't it's none of your goddamn business and if it doesn't affect you stay the fuck out of it fuck you april summers anyway uh incredible hulk number 211 has a cover by ed hannigan and ernie chan and is lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Irving Watanabe. Uh, the Hulk has passed out. He and Druid are... Druid, Dr. Druid is overwhelmed, and so Hulk comes to... Or Hulk, he and Hulk are chained up in the basement. Dr. Druid uses the last of his power available to him at that moment to cause Hulk to revert to Banner. Banner is then able to just climb out of the shackles that are holding Hulk. Um, Jim Wilson arrives in New York and is dropped off by this trucker who then calls the constrictor, who's getting ready to show up for the first time. Uh, and just like, yeah, there's a hot, juicy young man here for you. Um... <laughs> But, uh, 
so they get they get out of the, the um, of the dungeon go and fight the Mahayogi what ends up happening is that uh, Hulk winds up crushing the gem um, at which point Mahayogi starts uh, yeah, rapidly aging and Mongu runs over and picks him up and the Mahayogi's like you're not abandoning me and Mongu's like you didn't you could have left me where you found me but you didn't you were there for me when I needed you and uh, now uh, I'm going to be there for you and really what I need is uh, is a book about the two of them and their continuing love story. And I know this sounds like I'm being facetious and <laughs> gay, but no, seriously, like this is this is very poignant and I love it and I want Maha and Mangu. Ah. Mahangu? Mahangu? Yeah. Uh, that one's hard. There's no good celebrity name there. Um, uh, in the midst of all anyway. of it, Betty also uh, writes uh, Thunderbolt a letter, or Ross a letter letting him, him know that she's leaving and why, but does not say where she's going. So Right. Right. So, like, not a... Not a great run of issues in Hulk this week. I mean, there were only two, but uh, they were okay. I... Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate him. I was a little bored with, like, uh, shoot, the guy, the guy, Dr. the guy Druid? that, yes, Doctor Druid, being like, I don't. Why? Just go get Steven. <laughs> go get Strange. <laughs> yeah, you idiot. Well, that's that's the way of these things. It's a, the 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 sorcerers are always just like, no, I am the best, and it's just like, there's a guy over there who's literally called the Sorcerer Supreme, and it's just like, no, I'm better than him. No, are you though? Are you, though? <laughs> like, are you sure? And then, because and that's then, like, that's a title that's bestowed. That's a title that's bestowed by the universe, right? Liter- literally, like he met the personification of the universe and has kind of like fought it a couple of times. So, I don't know, man. <laughs> Have you done that? Yeah, and Doctor Druid is just over here, like. I've done a few kids' parties, and, uh, you know, I, I think I've got a hang of, uh, the hang of this. Let's go fight ultimate evil. <laughs> it's like, no. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So that brings us to Captain Britain number 37, which has a cover by Pablo Marcos and is written by Gary Friedrich, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Fred Keita, lettered by Irving Watanabe. And edited by Larry Lieber. Uh, when we left Brian, his mind was with uh, Merlin and Rona, Roma, Roma, uh, and his body was being held on to by Shield. Um, 
and then he was after a fight with who gives a fuck Merlin did not have the power to transfer to transport Brian's mind back and if he didn't get back in a certain amount of time his body was going to die so this issue we start with how am I going to get home and then it's just like well I'm sorry I can't do it and Captain Britain's just like <sighs> and then he transports himself home and that was like the final test uh I love that it's such a like it is a really good cliffhanger that we left on the week mm-hmm. the last time we read this because it was like oh shit that seems like an actual problem like yeah oh god your brain is your mind is stuck somewhere else your consciousness is stuck in the in between realms and yeah. your body is actually it's dying uh, in a different place and also taking any of the damage your consciousness takes is being transferred onto your body. Okay, that's a real fucking problem. Shit. And the answer to that is just, I really want it! Yeah. And he's back. And I'm like, page and a half? I thought this was going to be yeah. the whole... I yeah, this, I thought this, this was going to be a thing. Like, no, well, I didn't need it to be the whole story because I guess... And I guess I knew it wasn't going to be because of the cover. But, like... That felt like it was four pages, because Captain Britain is still eight pages issues. Um, but that felt like it was going to be at least four pages, and it's a page yeah. and a half. And I'm like, it, it is. It's there's a, there's a, there's the opening page, and it's just like, oh no, what are we going to do? And Brian's just like, Ugh. he clenches, and then he's home. Yeah, uh, and then he proceeds to sneak out of the shield facility for reasons Mm -hmm. uh and then we why doesn't he want him to know he's awake who cares um but then uh he's walking along and he runs into jack o'tanner who's just like you're the fucking worst man courtney's still in the hospital have you even been to see her to see her and brian's just like i've had a lot going on and jacko's like fuck you and uh so you know jacko is an asshole yes and his uh his approach here is classic asshole but Mm -hmm. from his point of view like yeah you gotta he's not wrong he's just misinformed (laughs) right (laughs) which yeah like what you do when you have a secret identity yeah yeah don't don't do it and uh so jacko's just like whatever fuck you i'm going to the hospital and brian's like can i go with you and he's like fine so they go on their way but then they are they have a run-in with the highwayman who uses his motorcycle lasers to cut a truck in half and then runs Brian and Jacko off the road. Uh, I just noticed they're on the wrong side of the road. Everybody is driving on the right. Oh, weird. Anyway, also, uh, this Highwayman is dumb. And Mm -hmm. I, but I would have, like, if Highwayman was a ghostwriter villain, that could be fun as fuck. Well, at least it would be like motorcycle v motorcycle. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. I think the highwayman is dumb generally, 
Yeah. Uh, there's nothing here that I'm just like, okay, this is an interesting conceit. It's literally just like he has a motorcycle and the motorcycle has lasers. Yeah, and also he has fucking grenades. Like, yeah, he has like studs on his jacket that he takes off and throws and they blow up. Yeah. So Captain Britain number 38 is uh, written by uh, my hero Bob, Bob Budiansky. Uh, ending by Mike Esposito. No, I, I, uh, uh, growing up reading the, uh, the old Transformers comics, uh-huh. Bob Budiansky was the one who wrote, like, a lot of the early, uh, Marvel Transformers comics, you know, and, uh, they were crap, but, like, Budiansky was, that's not Budiansky's fault necessarily, it was... There was a lot of weird shit going on there, and they, yeah. they were just like, I don't know, Spike has a brother named Buster. Well, Whatever. yeah, like, that's, if I remember correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I know this isn't a Transformers podcast, but like, it's it was in it more like the back and forth between Hasbro and Marvel, where they were like, what if we do it this way? And Hasbro's like, what if not, but we keep part of that and we bastardize the rest and they're like oh, well yeah i mean oh. so the thing the thing you have to understand is a lot of what we think of uh, as transformers was laid out by like jim shooter yep. uh at marvel he's the one who named all of the characters and like came up with stories for them then he handed it off to bob budiansky who actually wrote the issues and you know, any any licensed comic you're going to have, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's the way it goes. Sometimes you have things that are uh, standouts, like the, the G.I. Joe comic is a classic for a lot of people. The early Transformers comics are not that. Yeah. Um, but whatever. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this issue, Brian climbs out of what's left of Jacko's car, checks Jacko to make sure he's still alive, then fights the highwayman and is captured. The highwayman, meanwhile, is supposed to be meeting uh, the manipulator. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. We Uh, met him for a page in the first, in the previous issue where he was like watching the yeah queen or something i don't know well it's the queen's silver jubilee um and he uh here's the thing he's angry at the queen because he had been the dictator of an african country called umbazi i think uh, yeah. umbazi yes you know just a stellar job guys i mean it's better it's better than transformers which called a uh middle eastern country carbomia so uh but still just like um yeah have you never heard that i knew that i forget it i yeah i forget a lot (laughs) if if you dear follower are unaware Transformers had an episode where they went to a Middle Eastern country called Carbamia, and this caused uh, 
uh, Middle Eastern American, I forget where he was from, uh, uh, ancestrally, uh, Casey Kasem, to quit the show because he did a bunch of voices on the show and he quit over over that episode. Uh, So it could be worse, but it's not great. Um, So he was the dictator and then he was deposed. And I guess he's angry that the that the crown didn't do more to support him as independence was rearing its ugly head. I don't know. But Highwayman brings Captain Britain to uh, the manipulator and they brainwash him. Cool. Um, This goddamn book. (laughs) Captain Britain number 39 is inked by Brian H. Moore. Uh, This issue, basically what happens is that Brian attacks the queen at under the control of the manipulator. He is stopped from attacking the queen by the highwayman. Brian is confused because he's just like me just following programming. What? Uh, But then it becomes clear, obviously, what the deal is because then Highwayman saves the queen uh, and... In return, he is allow he is given a tour of Buckingham Palace. He is able to switch out the Queen's ring for a for a decoy, which allows the manipulator to take control of the Queen. The Queen is going to the Queen goes down and joins up with the Royal Navy, and they then set off to go and retake the country of Umbazi. Brian is released from the control of the manipulator because all these cameras are taking pictures of him and it kind of shocks him back. Whatever. No. This is the last issue of this volume of Captain Britain. And... Yeah... I'm torn about that because what this means is that this storyline is going to be inflicted upon some other poor unsuspecting book. And that's <laughs> like not spotlights fair. just spotlights just going around, you know, fucking doing its own thing, man. You don't need to hit it with this shit. <laughs> spotlights just skipping along just like oh, a flower. Hmm. Oh, how that smells so lovely. And then, like, Marvel runs up with, like, a two-by-four and whacks it across the face with this bullshit. Uh, uh, so, Spotlight's, yeah. And Spotlight's already got enough trouble. You're hitting it up with Skull and just the worst them. Like, what? Fuck off, man. Leave leave Spotlight alone. Yeah. Stop hitting Leave him. He's already alone. <laughs> He's already dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Do what? Well, I just the the thing that's most disappointing about the way this ended, this volume, is how good the middle of Captain Burton was. Um, it was rocky at the start. Um, the last few of the color issues were really good. I thought 
if I'm remembering this correctly, and then like, okay, we're gonna do some interesting weird shit. Like, the going to see Merlin, like the actual Merlin, not the evil Merlin that we've got running around. And like, yeah. a, you know, uh, peppering some things that will become the Siege Perilous and all of that. And like, yeah. ooh, okay, neat. And I want to see we end how... on this colonizer uh, bullshit. Yeah, like... exactly. It's like, wait, this is gross and dumb. Fuck. Yeah. But... I well, mean, and and don't get me wrong. I am. It is the best that can be said is at least the the shitty colonizer guy is the villain. Like, yeah, I mean that's good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Marvel team up number fifty-seven has a cover by Dave Cockrum and is written by Claire, Chris Claremont. Penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Dave Hunt, colored by George Russos, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall, and edited by Archie Goodwin. (sighs) Spider-Man starts fighting, winds up happening across the Silver Samurai, so they fight. Black Widow discovers a mystery, but then that is forgotten because Spider-Man is fighting the Silver Samurai. Uh... The only interest, the only really interesting thing about this is that Silver Samurai slashes this pillar on this construction site. Guy starts to fall. Spider Man saves him, uh, and the guy's just like, "Well, we're not out of anything yet. Uh, the problem here is the that pillar's like load bearing. Without it." This whole place is coming down. And so Black Widow has to fend off Silver Samurai while Spider-Man is shoring up the cut pillar using whatever other beams are available and his webbing. That's interesting. Um, And so that's all handled well. The the issue that I have is... Spider-Man's webbing dissolves. Like, is he just gonna stand there for like an hour, just like, or and wait until it dissolves and then be like, like, and he used up all his webbing anyway, so he's got to run home, get more webbing, come back, so that the city engineers can salvage this, or are they just going to evacuate the area and then let it go down? I had not thought of the city planning aspects of it. You know, it's it's one of those it's one of those things I wish I could just read comics as a kid again and just be like, "Wow, Spider-Man and Black Widow." And instead I'm just like, "Well, let's take a moment from this blatant promotional bullshit and consider the the practical aspects." Of what we're talking about. I mean, you've got to get a few engineers in here to... And how is Spider-Man going... And my brain is just like... Shut up! Shut up! Read pretty pictures! Um... Huh. Okay, so Captain Britain... I I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't really like this issue. Captain Britain's next appearance looks like... Based on Unlimited, at least. Is, uh... Team up 65. 
Well, yeah, and the the thing about it is, I don't know, because they say that the story will be continued in Spider-Man, Super Spider-Man and Captain Britain number whatever. I saw but, that, and but, I was like, that's not a book that exists here, at least. Yeah, so I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. Anyway, yeah, uh, this Black Widow story is horribly... Team of story to me is disappointing because because they don't do anything with anybody. It's just one thing stumbles into another and then we have a fight where at least Silver Samurai is an actual threat in this. Yeah. Like that I feel like is made clear. Um and the girders thing at the end is good because it gives uh, Widow the only like work she gets to do in the book, which is like literally keep his att- keep Silver Samurai's attention on her mm-hmm. without dying. I like that. Um, but other than that, there's just not a lot going on. Well, you know, I guess what ultimately gets to me is you have you have an issue of team up. And Silver Samurai is the villain, and it's not the issue with the cast of Saturday Night Live. What the fuck is even the point of you? I mean, really. (laughs) So, Nova number five has a cover by Jack Kirby, Frank Giacoya, and Gaspar Saladino. And is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Tom Palmer, colored by Michelle Wolfman, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Um, two things really happen here. First of all, Richard Richard Ryder goes on a day a double date uh, with the guy who hates him. Yeah. And uh, how did this happen? and ginger and i'm glad we finally acknowledged that ginger wants his richard um so that's something i made the mistake of reading because at the point at which i started reading nova ginger was nowhere uh and i'm like okay so you know something happens what happens to her it's bad. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. Really? <laughs> oh, shit, man. Like, and they just kind of leave it? Like, it's never brought up again? And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> because the short version is... Richard leaves Earth. Right. And so she goes out and gets married. And it turns out the dude's abusive. So right. Richard comes back to earth discovers that ginger is in this relationship and uh dude is gonna try and kill ginger so uh richard gets involved and the guy winds up paralyzed and brain damaged damn pregnant ginger now has to find a way to pay all the medical bills because richard fucked up her abusive husband loses the house 
and Richard's parents invite her to her and the baby to come live with them and we never see them again did they go to live with the writers don't know like oh, where the Jesus. fuck is ginger marvel god damn it but so... i actually kind of like her though like as a it's okay well it's interesting i like her but i hate how idiot richard is so like i like that i like that she's not passive in no. all of this she's yeah, yeah, just yeah. like dude i like you let's get down and and yeah, Richard's I want to make like, out, you idiot. And he, Richard's like, oh, I'm so put upon, and no one... Look at Mike there. Yeah, he's an asshole, but at least he's back in. And it's like, are What? No. No. It's, like, with Peter Parker, you can be like, yeah, okay, your secret identity keeps getting in the way, and, like, that's why you think that's the Parker luck that all these women are destined to leave you. But like at the same time, I don't really buy that because you have just tons of women throwing themselves at you constantly. Whereas with this, it's like one woman consistently wants to be with him in what seems like a real way. Like she's his friend first and then like would like it to maybe go a little further. And he has no idea. And I'm irritated as fuck by that. Right. I mean, 17-year-olds are idiots, and so are 36-year-olds. But, like, we... You just... I don't know, man. I wish one of... I wish you had better friends that would, like, tell you, Hey, dude. So, Ginger's into you. Right? (laughs) What? Okay. Anyway. Speaking of his friends... Bernie's there, and Caps is missing. Who gives a shit? The thrust of this issue is that uh, Marvel is looking to talk to Nova because they're looking for care- for heroes to make books about. Um, and so he goes to meet with them, and while he's like showing them what he can do, Tyrannus attacks the surface world. So already you've got two of my favorite things, which is the inclusion of the creators in the book and Tyrannus. Oh, wait, no, I hate both of those things. (laughs) Well, so, okay, so here's the thing. First of all, I guess, as we discover in Hulk, Tyrannus, after his last appearance in Fantastic Four, lost his youth, meaning that this isn't Tyrannus. It's one of his Tyrannoids that has been made to look like him and who gives a fuck. Whatever. Uh... The the thing, the thing that bothers me, and the reason that uh, that I don't like the inclusion of Marvel comics in the Marvel universe, like at the end of this issue, Marv Wolfman and Sal Buscema pitch Nova to Stan Lee and Stan's like no we're gonna go with some fucking mouse character who the hell is this guy like why would anybody want to read a book about this fucking chucklehead and it's like I'm reading the book about that fucking chucklehead like what are you doing 
if this is someone's first exposure to the character of Nova and Marvel Comics in canon is just being like, nah, this guy's this guy's pretty crap. Like What? Yeah, I I just hate it. Cause it yeah. turn, it comes out like this so often. Also, like needless canon complications and how far down does this rabbit hole go like are they writing books or, okay so is the marvel staff and the marvel in 616 writing books about stat about heroes that also interact with the marvel staff like oh god how f- yeah now i made my head hurt and I'm more mad at it. And, like, that's actually the main thing that irritates the shit out of me when the creators are there. Not just because it's also a little bit of egoism and self-worship that I hate. But, like, I don't know you guys. Your weird inside jokes from 40 years ago aren't going to play next week, man, when you publish this right. thing. Don't quit it. Right. Ugh. Gross. I don't like it. No, I I agree. I It's really really annoying and I hate everything about it. And Yeah. Well, um I hope Nova gets better cuz I want to like this character. Because I know I will, right? Like I also know it's going to take 30 years for the first story. The first real Nova story I read was Annihilation. So, it's going to be a bit. Um, But, like, I want to like this character. Why won't you let me? Yeah. Well, the problem... The problem is... There, there were several problems, but ultimately, like, when, when it's all said and done, um, it's going to be a while before there's anything to really give a shit about. And that sucks. Like, so. Well, like, and I want him. Okay, so let's make. I wish they would be like, let's make no bones about this and be like, it's it's Green Lantern. It's Space Cops. Like, we're ripping off Green Lantern. So let's just do that, right? Yeah. Instead, they're trying to, like, hold themselves apart and be like, no, it's not Space Cops. It's this kid learning to deal with his powers. And it's like, yeah, just... It's... it's if What if Peter Parker were a Green Lantern? Yeah. And... You know, that's fine. But, like, do that. Don't stop trying to be like, "Mm, no, it's not green. Fuck you. Just do it. Yeah. Um, But whatever. And I imagine it's going to take another five years for them to finally have him leave Earth. uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, speaking of fuck you. Oh, my God. Uh, that brings us to Master of Kung Fu number 52. Um, this has 
a cover by John Romita Jr. and Al Milgram and is written by Doug Mensch, penciled and inked by Keith Pollard. <clears throat> uh, lettered by John Costanza and Irving Watanabe and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, what you have to know about this issue is apparently in Giant Size Ma Master of Kung Fu number four, they introduced a, uh, a character named Rufus Hackstabber. Rufus T. Hackstabber. Who's, who's Groucho Marx? Yeah. Uh, I tried to see, we have not read that issue, and I'm like, did I, did I, I block that out? Did I, I, was, I was very confused when they were like, we read, previously seen in Master of Kung Fu number, or Giant Size number four, and I was like, I'm sure we would have read that. And then I had to go look at the list too and be like, oh no, we didn't. Weird. Yeah. Uh, probably because and, it has this guy in it, and it's horrible. It's probably horrible. Yeah. And so my my initial my initial thought, as I said, was was that just so traumatic that I blocked it out? But if that were the case, why do I now remember Master of Kung Fu number fifty two? Because we we bring back Rufus T. Hackstabber and we Fan introduce favorite. his cousin. I'm not even going to tell you his fake name because I don't remember and it doesn't matter. It's W.C. Fields. Yeah. But it's not aided by the fact that Keith Pollard can't seem to draw him in such a way that he doesn't look like Curly from the Three Stooges. Right. So... Shang-Chi is in Morocco and teams up with Groucho Marx, W.C. Fields, and W.C. Fields' daughter, whom Groucho Marx proceeds to just absolutely latch on the entire time, to the extent that the issue ends with him chasing her around like it's a Benny Hill sketch. And, look... There are characters throughout pop culture that are based on people. And that's fine. Yeah. Spike Spiegel from uh, Cowboy Bebop is based on a Japanese actor and stuff like that. And that's perfectly okay. Cowboy Bebop is full of people who are based, based on, on people. people. Yeah. And that's cool. Go for it. But like, there's Spike Spiegel and then there's fucking this. And... No, no, don't do this. Yeah. Ever. And he's awful to Shang-Chi. Um, he, yeah, he keeps calling him Cheng-Chi. Yeah. And that's and not where... awful yeah. running jokes. And it's just, it's bad. Miss it. And it has no impact on anything else. Yeah, this does not matter at all. And if I'm and if I'm ever in a position to find out that it does matter, 
That's when the gun goes in the mouth. <laughs> no, it's... I'm sorry. I should not joke about that. Uh, um, my point is, I genuinely hope I'm never in a position to find out that it does matter because it's so goddamn stupid. Um, yeah. So, I'm done with that. Yeah. Uh, Master of Kung Fu number 53 is a reprint of Master of Kung Fu number 20. So, I didn't mean to, or I forgot to text you that. Did you, uh, did you read? I got... 53. Because uh, I actually remember kind of liking this issue. So, mm-hmm. when it started, so it starts with the, the assassins uh, coming out of the, the ocean in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really fucking familiar and so I go, if this ends with a sword going through a woman, then I have read this issue. And so I just skipped to the last page and was like, yep, okay, moving on. All right. Um, but well, I did. I, fe- I felt bad that I'd forgotten to text you. I did um, enjoy, I think I remember enjoying this issue. So if I would have read the entirety of it, I probably wouldn't have been mad. Yeah, um, yeah no, it wasn't a bad issue. It was just reprint. Uh, Yep. Okay. Uh, now we get to the main story this week. Master of Kung Fu number 54. Uh, the, the best thing I can say about this issue is it has a cover by Jim Starlin. Um, but it is penciled by Jim Craig, inked by John Tartaglione, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Joe Rosen. <sighs> this issue... Uh, so everybody's adjusting to life after having left MI6. In the process, uh, Reston gets attacked by fucking Robin Hood, which, okay. Um, but like Robin Hood has gadgets, like he has a sword that conducts electricity and a uh, crossbow with uh, incendiary arrows and stuff like that. Reston gets away and uh, meets up, or I'm sorry, Reston fights the guy off, tries to follow him, loses him, and so he goes and meets up with Blackjack Tar, uh, but then they... uh, They are, they're at, sorry, trying to remember. Tar is uh, staying at the Savoy, and so at this point in time, no one knows where uh, Tar is staying. Meanwhile, Shang-Chi and, uh, and Laco have a, have an incident where they're iced out by Sir Dennis, but then they're attacked by Attila the Hun um and uh again it's a situation where he has a he has a mace but it is such that you know if like the the studs on it break then spray gas or whatever which gas and is acid a stupid fucking yeah weapon but whatever Laco gets hit and passes out and then winds up being taken 
by uh, fake Attila. Um, meanwhile, we see some dudes in MI6 who are talking about this asshole that keeps attacking people. Uh, it's all the same guy, and he's called War Yor. Because he switches between all the greatest warriors of yore. And I'm sorry, like, if, you're, if your name is Eric Slaughter, and you're looking for an assassin name, and you don't find a way to make it something Slaughter-related... Yeah. Fuck you. Just fuck you. Well, it, it to me, it's this particular... I don't think in this scene we're straight up told that these are MI6 agents, but... Um, well, right. But if it is... They're MI6 agents. And... Uh, it, the, it's implied, but yeah. it's not expressly stated. Um, um, and he... It, it, it's also that they gave him the warrior code name. And I don't care. You guys still suck too. Slaughter's yeah, right it, there. Yeah, it's it's like, it's like Eric Killmonger. Like your name's right there, bro. Yeah, and he have... went with it. Yeah, Eric Slaughter. They're just like, what about Warrior? And it's just like, hey, how about Slaughter? Just Slaughter. Uh, what like... are you? What are you getting at, Basil? And it's just like. Well, I don't know. The, his name is fucking Slaughter, <laughs> and we're paying him to kill people. <laughs> and they're just like, hmm, I don't, I don't think so. I don't it's follow. Just like, I don't see. It, slaughter itself is not a great... Okay, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> and it's just like, come on, guys. WWE isn't going to exist for a while. You got no issues in terms of, like, rights, so fucking go for it. But no. So, at the end of this, Shang-Chi meets up with Reston and Tar, and it's just like, oh no, what are we going to do? Who cares? (sighs) I hate Warrior. I really, I really do. I... The frustrating thing is, it's not that there aren't parts of it that could work, but they're not made to work, and the things that are there are just fucking stupid. Yeah. So, you know, well, I'll get to that, but anyway... Uh, Master of Kung Fu number 55 has a cover by Paul Galassi and is penciled by Mike Zack, inked by Jim Mooney, and lettered by John Costanza. Um, this is... We... We take a break from... from the Warrior story. This is the only thing about... about the reading of Master Kung Fu, Master of Kung Fu this week that actually kind of works. And even it, there's like stuff that I'm annoyed by. So Shang-Chi 
uh, is getting ready to take a bath and read A Clockwork Orange, like you do. And uh, he is attacked, or these dudes break in and try to kill him. But of course, Shang-Chi is too good for that. So he pounds the shit out of them, finds out who hired them, and it turns out to be um, an old friend of his named Han Sung. Um, and he's just like, no, these guys were hired by Han Sung because Han Sung assumed that Shang-Chi was still working for his dad and that he would be coming after him uh, when he found out he was in London. So Shang-Chi's like, I'm not working for I'm not working for Fu Manchu leave me the fuck alone. And we get a flashback to who Han Sung was and it turns out he was a friend who was older and who trained uh, Shang-Chi and who's the one that ex- that showed to him that Fu Manchu used this elixir vitae to extend his life. Then at some point, uh, Fu Manchu sent away Han Sung, and that was the last he ever saw of him. So he goes to where the hired assassins were supposed to meet uh, Han Sung, and waits for Han Sung to show... Han Sung doesn't. He gets into it with a couple of toughs at the bar and then demands to know where Han Sung is or where his daughter is. Yada, yada, yada. Um, he pr- then proceeds to just say fuck it and go in the back room of the bar and Han Sung is there looking old and depleted. It turns out that Fu Manchu never sent him away. He actually ran experiments on him that sapped him of his vitality. So he's now like a withered old man. Um, Shang-Chi tries to explain to him, I don't work for Fu Manchu anymore. Um, You know, fact of the matter is he may be dead. And Han Sung's like, you don't even believe that. And Shang-Chi's like, I don't, but still, like, chill. And uh, so Shang-Chi has to fight his way out goes down the street to where Han Sung's daughter works, and it's there that they have their uh, confrontation. Uh, Han Sung attempts to then take his the elixir vitae. Uh, his daughter tries to stop him, having been swayed by Shang-Chi to believe that the elixir vitae may not work as well as he thinks. Han Sung flees, Shang-Chi follows, Han Sung takes the elixir vitae and dies because it turns out that uh, over the years, Fu Manchu's body has built up an immunity to the elixir vitae. And as a result, if anyone were to try and take a dose meant for him, it would kill them outright rather than extending their lives. This is what Shang Tri tried to warn him of, but he wouldn't listen, blah, 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 don't care. Not a bad issue in and of itself. No. Um, it's got really good moments. Um, the bathroom counterattack at the beginning is a great fight. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also, like, it's well-paced enough that you can kind of see, like, you can picture it in your mind with him, you know, in the tub, 
we're reading the book and it's quiet and then there's a noise and his eyes go up and like then right. he gets out of the tub quiet as hell waits for them to come in and then there's the classic like kung fu movie guy hanging from the ceiling waiting for his attackers he drops in behind them that scuffle in the bathroom is actually pretty good uh yeah. then the confrontation all that to say that that's it's very lack of a better word cinematic in that opening section um and then the confrontation between him and uh han sung is really good for a couple of reasons a i get this guy like yeah. he's been in he's been in the shit for so long that when someone tells him that fu manchu is dead he's like nah nah and it's the like no we launched him into space and even <laughs> the best part of that is actually still like shake chi being like i watched him die in space and he's like you're not even certain he's like fuck i watched him die in space and i'm not even certain like yeah. i know that fuck um yeah. like that back and forth is really good uh and then it kind of comes to an abrupt end but that's okay the the thing about it is on the one hand both this and the issue with groucho and wc fields somebody's after the elixir vitae and everybody goes running around trying to find it that i don't like uh but the thing that i really do like in addition to everything you just said is the fact that shang chi has has come a long way yeah from his first appearance in terms of accepting the fact that his father's a piece of shit who lied to him. But even so, there are still assumptions he makes based on things his father told him. It never even occurred to him to question his father's statement that he sent Han Sung away. Right. It never even occurred to him to question that. He's just like, yeah, he sent Han Sung away. No, Han Sung was in the dungeon this entire time and Shang Chi's like oh my god I didn't even think of that yeah. and so even after all of this you've still got a lot of growing up to do yeah and I like that um well I'm actually really angry we now have to go from that back to warrior <laughs> well it's really cool that you know and maybe this is asking a little much of this story and I don't know if it's asking too much of comics in general but like as a slow Shang-Chi being a slow burn how to recover from uh, a mental and emotional abuser is interesting because that's what he's been doing right like he's been coming to terms more and more with like what the truth has been outside of the fortress and what the truth of his father was first and really confronting that and owning it when Mm. like that was a long time a while ago but like in the the second lab and then walking away from that entirely having it 
continue to follow him. Like, the Saifan keep trying to attack him. He keeps running into his father, and, like, they're so still intertwined, even though he doesn't want to be. Then his yeah. second father figure in Sir Dennis is playing a lot of the same goddamn games, even with him. So he still can't find truth in the, with the father figure that he's looking for. But he learns from that experience what it is that he actually wants out of a relationship like that and that if he can't and if he's not getting it he also learns that walking away isn't as hard to do as it was the first time um Mm -hmm. like there's a lot there that this character is doing really really well um yeah it sucks that there's it's just bits and bobs i guess um it's not as uh coherent as all that i don't know well, and I, that, that's one reason I have a lot of high hopes for the movie. Oh, hell Is that hell maybe yeah. we can condense some of this down and get, like, a really strong through line of that? Yeah. Um, that would be hella cool. Yeah. Because um, I was really worried. I'm, I was really worried about this movie until, like, the creative team and all the actors got announced and then it was like okay you're going to be able to see through the bullshit and be like let's cut all the admittedly gross and racist trappings right like we can get rid of that and still do this story uh to some of these like bigger themes that it was touching on that would be coolest shit I agree back into it uh, yeah more your Ma- more your master of kung fu number 56 has a cover by Ron Wilson and Mike Esposito penciled by Jim Craig inked by John Tartaglioni and lettered by Denise Wall and Irving Watanabe uh, uh so we are at uh, Blackjack Tar's rooms in the Savoy uh, when they are. We discover we discover that this stuff is in involves MI six specifically because Sir Dennis's sec- current secretary. Uh, goes to enter the information on where Blackjack Tar is staying and it's only then that Warrior comes after Blackjack Tar's place. So she does that Black uh then Warrior becomes a ninja and attacks them. This is what annoys me about like done well these concepts could be really interesting. Uh, we have here, he, he breaks into the room and even Shang-Chi isn't exactly sure where in the room he actually is. Like Shang-Chi's working on it, but like he's in stealth mode here and Shang-Chi's like, I know he's in the room. I know he's still here. Where, where the hell is he? When then he just drops from the ceiling and starts yelling about Geary. And uh, 
And it's just like, why didn't you just kill somebody while you were doing that? Whatever. So, well, and the other interesting thing is like, this is a proto taskmaster, right? Like, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Just everything about the execution sucks. <laughs> yeah. So Shang-Chi is able to best him. So they tie him to a chair and take off his mask and they're just like, nope, don't know who that is. <laughs> and so they st- they're standing there talking about it. Uh, Tar pulls a chunk of, like, exploding shuriken out of his arm. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it's very advanced. So clearly this guy has some backing. While they're talking, Warrior escapes. Um... And they're just like, God damn it. So, um, they make their way to go and, uh, break in them, uh, break in and figure out what's going on. Warrior, meanwhile, has some dudes working for him that are just kind of getting sick of taking care of a lunatic. Um... Uh, but then he switches out to the Red Baron and proceeds to attack them with a triplane, which whoop-de-fucking-do. Um, but while they're there, or while he, before he switches from, uh, Prince George into the Red Baron. St. George. Huh? St. George, sorry. Uh, Prince George is a different thing. Uh, he... There's a moment of lucidity's not the right word, but like he's not anybody at the time and he's wondering who the hell he is and Lako's really cool that she she just stays quiet the whole time and lets him do his thing and there, she recognizes immediate recognizes immediately that that could be an opening. Yeah. Um and that there is something in this guy that might be reachable and uh, Laco is the one is the one bright spot in yeah. these issues um of the supporting characters yes yeah uh so yeah no yeah Laco Laco at the very it's hard to tell whether Laco is actively trying to reach him at this moment or if she just sees an opening she does try to reach him later on, but uh, I'm not sure yet whether she's entirely sold on that. But but then her window closes because he's like, I'm going to let you out. And then he finds like another costume from one of his personas. And he's just like, no, I remember who I am now. And she's yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. So... Uh, Master of Kung Fu number 57 uh, has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Ernie Chan and is lettered by Denise Wall. I guess it, I guess that on the cover there is a registration number on the uh, plane, the side yep. of it. Yep, I see it. That is, uh, includes DCEC, which is dave cockram and ernie chan so cool that's fun um so having cut their car in twain 
uh, rest and tar and Shang-Chi try to deal with the Red Baron. Shang-Chi gets to, gets to an elevated location and climbs on and the red, the Red Baron version of Warrior tries to like fire at him, but in the process takes out his own plane. Of course, he gets away. So, uh, the three of them then proceed to break into MI6. Uh, they, they get into the top floor of the MI6 headquarters and discover a war room that's just like, yeah, you know, if we ever need to call down the apocalypse, here's where we'll do it. Uh, while they are there, they are discovered by a guard who is immediately shot in the back. And it's then that uh, a bunch of MI6 agents come in and start trying to kill the three of them. Uh, and so Shang-Chi dispatches the, the MI6 agents um, and uh, Laco, meanwhile, seizes an, on an opportunity Warrior, as Red Baron comes to take her from her cell and move her somewhere else, she gets loose and starts running through the castle. Um, Shang-Chi et al. Uh, managed to find the information about Warrior and who he is and that he does actually work for MI6. They find that he has a keep uh, out, in the, out in Surrey, I believe they said. Yeah. Uh, and so they make their way there. As they are getting there, Leiko is found in the tall tower. Uh, she jumps out of uh, out of the tower and down to the one of the walls. But Reston is just like Leiko, Leiko, it's okay, we're here. And they're just and Shing, she's just like. Well, there went the fucking element of surprise. Thanks a lot, bro. Thanks, dude. Um, and Reston had only been mildly annoying up until this point. Yeah. And that's actually pretty good when it comes to this love triangle for the last few issues. It's been horribly fucking annoying. Well, Reston in, usual, in general is fucking annoying because it's like, we get it. We get it. You're descended yeah. from Sherlock Holmes. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. And also his dad is James Bond, maybe. Um, so, anyway. But, that being said, throughout half of this story, it hadn't been... He had not been horribly annoying. It wasn't until this moment where it's like... You fucker, you know how much I care about her too. And it's like, oh god... We're doing this that now. Shut up. Priorities. Resting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they end up on a drawbridge fighting the St. George version of um warrior. I like. There's a panel here. They end up in the moat. Um. Reston and Shang Chi. Uh, the drawbridge comes down with him on it. Uh. Warrior is facing one direction, and we can see behind him uh, Shang-Chi pulling himself out of the water, and that's a great fucking panel. Yeah. Um, and then he proceeds to 
start attempting to kick the snot out of him. Uh, Reston gets away and goes inside and is set up pretty well to ambush. Uh, Meanwhile, one of the guys, one of the MI6 agents is, is... captured Laco and is like you know what I'm tired of working and protecting for you madman uh let's I'm done if any if either of you fucking move I'm shooting the girl uh and dun, bun, bun, Nayland Smith arrives yeah via, via helicopter yeah um and Blackjack Tara Char- is just like oh my god it's Sir Dennis, and it's just like, well, yeah, he works for MI6, like, but, uh, so 58, issue 58 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Frank Giacoya, and, uh, is colored by George Russo's and lettered by John Costanza and Joe Rosen. I hate how much time we're having to spend on this because of how convoluted it is, um, the short version of this is uh, Warrior decides that so Warrior and Shang-Chi uh, are in a Mexican standoff with the, well that's not the right I don't know if that's okay to say anymore or if it's ever been okay to say they're in a standoff with this MI6 agent <coughs> in the end it is St. George, who saves Laco and takes off with her. Shang-Chi goes after while Reston provides cover fire. Uh, Sir Dennis is just like, I have no idea what's going on. Who are, what is happening? Holy shit. Um, Warrior winds up taking Laco and he proceeds to put on like pieces of every costume and he becomes uh, he becomes the final form of warrior um shang chi finds a location and waits for him and then pops out they have their big uh fight the thing the the thing that's not bad is that leko is trying to talk to him and she's like you can get help you don't have to be this way and he's like yeah you're right like thank you and she's like reaching him when shang chi then attacks him with a spike from an iron maiden and he's just like oh well never mind gotta kill this guy real quick and uh so i like i like that you know in the end like i was just like i was so close why did you have to get involved and you know shang chi is perfectly shang chi's response is reasonable from the standpoint of someone who knows only fighting and that is i couldn't be sure if he was about to clasp your face or wrap his hands around your neck uh but then reston is the one who ultimately shoots him uh they call for backup from mi6 who show up and clean things up. Uh, Most of the dudes who were working for MI6 and that cleared this operation get killed, it seems like. But ultimately, at the end of this, the thing that I do really like is the fact that at the end of it, Sir Dennis is like, 
I didn't know anything about this. You believe that I didn't know about this, right? And Blackjack Tar is like, yeah, no, I believe you. And it matters to me that you didn't know. But the others are just like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Whether or not you were involved with this specifically, you work within the within an organization and within a system that does things like this. So whether or not you personally okayed it, you are a part of this. And it feels very timely in terms of... I'm going to get woke for a second here. Uh, it feels very timely in terms of the conversations of like you know, bad cops versus good cops. And it's just like, well, you know, a good cop is okay. Sure. But also like, you're still a part of this system. You're still a part of a racist broken system that upholds racist broken laws. And so first of all, you can't be that good a person or you wouldn't be involved in it. And second of all, how good you personally are doesn't matter because you're a cog in a an evil machine. Yeah. But anyway, um, like I said, at the end of this, Laco is just like, fuck both of you. Uh, she's like, I'm not anybody's woman. I'm not your woman, Clive. We're done. I'm not your woman, Shang-Chi. And frankly, I'm not sure I want to be. Like, fuck all y'all. And yeah, so, I love Laco at the end of this being like, because... At one point, they had both, both Rustin and uh, Shang-Chi had referred to her as his woman in front of her, even if it was while they were defending her prone body. And she gets up and is like, you know what? I'm tired of this shit. I'm not owned by either of you. And you're both kind of bullshit. Um, Quit it. Okay? Uh, Rustin? really get it through your skull we're absolutely done okay uh shang chi we'll fucking talk but we're real close and then she storms off and i'm like fucking good get it and the thing that i hate is the fact that none of this is brought up the next two issues um things are just kind of like the pieces are all put back where they were and it's just kind of like great uh, well the looking at the letters pages um there's been just massive amounts of schedule conflict and upheaval with this book but right. um that happens so and it and it's clear that that's the case it just sucks because it's yeah. like I'm like I want I actually want to see where this goes. And then it's just like and now for something completely different. Um, yeah. So Master of Kung Fu number 59 has a cover by Gil Kane, Frank Giacoya and Danny Crespi and is penciled by Mike Zack, colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Oh my god. So Shang-Chi gets drugged. And as a result, there's a question of what's real, what's not. Is Razor Fist back from the dead? Maybe. And then, what's her name with the whip is here. And that other guy, the the one who was Sir Dennis's nephew, or what? Shockwave was his yeah. name. Yeah. Um, but then, like, 
oh, people keep turning out to be robots, and there's a dream involving, like, the Earth shifting on its axis, and now, like, Africa is freezing, and there's this random black woman, and she's just like, yep, shit's fucked, and you're just like, who the fuck is this? Like, what is this? And then, like... So I kind of just want to blow through this. I just kind of yeah, want to get to I the do point too, of all because of it. it's too convoluted and I didn't like enough about it. There's a whole lot of who's real, who's not, blah blah blah. When is it, it a dream? When is it a not robot. a dream? He gets attacked by what appears to be a robot, but then they open up the thing and inside is Reston, who was also drugged, but then like in the end it turns out that that was actually a Reston robot. And Reston had been abducted, and it's just like, I don't fucking care. So in Master of Kung Fu number 60, which has a cover of By Ernie Chan, and is colored by Sam Cato and lettered by Karen Kish, <sighs> Shang-Chi is taken by Reston to quote-unquote Latveria, gets into this castle, has a big fight, uh, winds up fighting Dr. Doom, who it turns out is behind it all, and is like, uh, playing chess with the Prime Mover, but the Prime Mover is actually resting in a, another robot costume, and then Doom is actually a Doombot, and then at the end, the tower takes off, and it turns out they were just across the river, they never left England, and Shang-Chi is just like, I thought that seemed like a short trip, and I'm like, you know what, you were drugged, so I'm going to allow it. But this right here, this is fucking bullshit. Like, and then and then at the end, like, Shang-Chi and Reston are in hospital beds next to each other for some reason. When the black woman from Shang-Chi's uh, fever dreams comes in, she's a nurse. And she brings a present that's actually, like a fake chess set from Dr. Doom with everybody collapsed and Doom like standing there triumphantly laughing and then it turns out that the black woman was a robot too and oh my god fuck you like I'm mad enough as it is that this Lego stuff is getting dropped for two issues of this bullshit but then for this bullshit to not even be that good and to just be like, this person was a, this robot was actually a person that you know. But oh wait, it was actually a robot of the guy you know and that robot over there is actually the guy you know. And I'm just sitting here going, fuck you. I'm out. I'm done. I'm glad this is our last book this week because I genuinely do not know if I could have taken another fucking issue of this I was really disappointed in Doom like so the whole thing is supposed to be Doom setting up like doing prime mover chess with and the end state is tricking um throwing so many robots at Shang-Chi that on top of the drugs, he 
just starts believing that everything in his path is a robot and he's never given any information to with the exception of the rest in in a robot that turned out to be a robot so that's more and more like no they're all robots so then he gets to the last room where i don't remember his name the guy with the barbells on his head yeah um and he's like he goes fucking all out and slams this dude's face directly into a doorknob uh killing him and doom the wall slides back and doom's like ha 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 that was it i can't you killed a man that dude was real oh i win i win fuck it and then put you know i would have been fine if that was doom's thing like and then he just pushed pushed to shang chi out the window and was like bye and he fell into the river and then he left and i'd be like well that sucks uh but it sucks in a way that i understand instead yeah. we have to do another fake out on top of another fake out that the guy that he killed was actually still a robot and then dooms a robot too and it's just like i know you i know you think you're being cute book but it's not i'm, I'm tired of it because on top of all of that plus the drugs none of this is reliable like yeah that's the thing that sucks the most is like once you start messing with people's like dream states and stuff like that i don't know what to believe anymore and therefore how much of this is actually impactful like you can do like dream state books and stories where uh the dream reflects something about the person or the trauma they're going through or how they're growing or uh what they think about the other characters and stuff like that this is not that this is none well, of that this serves you can you can do those things really well but you gotta have a killer fucking ending and oh, this yeah. does not so it's just like we're messing with our main characters perceptions of reality in order to then like tell this mind fuck of a tale but then at the end it's just it's a wet fart and you're just like so none of that amounted to anything i don't care yeah like that's he didn't the thing. learn he you didn't gotta learn have you well gotta you gotta have, have finish it strong you, but you gotta have a lot tighter grip on the reins of your story as you're going along too like that's the other thing that this plays so fast and loose with what is real and what isn't and it's fine for that to be not clear to the character but it's a yeah it's irritating when it isn't clear to me but you can well and again you can do that but you gotta have tight fucking rein hold of the reins while you're telling the story and then it needs to fucking land it, uh-huh. it has to land. It yeah. has to land. The difference... The difference between toying with perceptions is, like, the difference between your... You know... The difference between to- between these is, like, the difference between your Blade Runners and your Scanner Darkleys and then your Matrix Revolutions is... Yeah, And it's just like, on the one hand, like you've got something that, you know, if you if you ignore the theatrical cut, uh, you know, of Blade Runner, 
like, sticks it, and it's just kind of like, yeah, but, like, fuck. And yeah. then, like, you know, you have your but Matrix Revolutions where it's the story, just like, at least in the robot baby cut. face. <laughs> but in the regular kind of Blade Runner, as they're telling the story, like, what is human is the theme. Like, mm-hmm. it's pounding the shit out of that right. throughout the film so that by the end of it, you when uh, like tears in the rain happens and you're like, well, shit, fucking balls. Like yeah. that is awesome, but like if you don't have a tight hold on your perception reins, right? Then yeah. questioning them doesn't do me any good until if yeah, I don't know. Fuck. Also, it's worth pointing out that. Doing this whole, like, aha, the guy you killed was real, but it was actually a robot, only works if you're not in a world where characters like Machine Man and Vision exist. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, (laughs) then it's just like, you slaughtered. All those AI Americans. What are you doing? Man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, man, this book was such. This book was a roller coaster this week because yeah. there weren't any like absolute highs. Um, no, everything, was... everything that was good had to be qualified so much, but. Yeah, because the context around it sort of ended up stealing some of the the fire. Yeah. But, yeah, I really, I don't know. It, it, I'm so angry. <laughs> Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Top five. We're gonna do it. You heard it here. We're gonna... You heard it here first, because no one else we're gonna covered that. We're really gonna do this, even though this week was a bit of a yeah, roller coaster. Number five. Um I just love this as a trope. It's silly, and I like this when it happens in Spider-Man, and I like it when it happens here. We unmask a person and have no idea who the hell it is. Because yeah. that's just that's just great. Because they're like, now to find out, who the fuck is this guy? Shit! Um, number four, uh, Bruce is actually useful in this story. Which we kind of threw past, but in the first two, in those two issues of Incredible Hulk... Bruce is dead set on not turning into the Hulk for the first issue. Yeah. Um, And then at the beginning of the second issue, he and Dr. Druid turn him back into Bruce. um, And he actually maintains that for most of both issues until we need the Hulk to bash stuff. Um, And uh, I don't hate that. I wish Bruce were around a little more often, but um, eh, that's why it's number four. Uh, number three, uh, the bathroom counter attack because in Shang Chi because it's it was really cinematic and tense. Um, uh, number two 
is the confrontation with Hang Sung, um, or Han Sung, uh, because it's more Shang-Chi. It's all the things we said earlier. Um, Shang-Chi learning about who he thinks he is and who his father was and how he's still getting over that relationship. Um, And was, like you said, just taking stuff for granted as Mm -hmm. the truth because his dad said it. Uh, And then number one is uh, Leiko telling uh, Shang-Chi and Rustin to go to stuff it at the end of the week or yeah. at the end uh, because again this is more learning opportunities for my main character like yeah. why is she mad because I've been stuck in a tower my whole life uh, that this kind of reaction is not something that I'm used to I wouldn't mind if they explored that a little like take a page to have him to have her having calmed down sometime later just be like okay do you know why i'm pissed like i get what i think i understand what you did and why you did it but do you know why i'm mad now and him being like i honestly don't i saw the threat and i moved to take care of it and he she's like did you miss the part where i was getting through like just do that conversation and see I think that would be really cool to see how he handles that conversation you know like does he draw further into himself does he trust himself less does he trust himself more to like now that I've made I've learned this lesson like does he actually um not inherit uh take in that respect huh well, I was saying introspect, but well, but I mean, like, actually integrate that lesson into his right. personality or into himself, and be like, okay, I know the score now. I need to. This is something else I need to pay attention to. But just that, that's it. Yeah. Like, just another thing that he realizes he needs to pay attention to. That's cool. well, and i I think the I think the thing that's interesting is Shang Chi is a fully grown man. Mm-hmm. But he is so incredibly stunted. He mm-hmm. was he was raised in a cloistered environment, learning only what his father thought he needed to know. Right. So, you know, yeah, how he how he reacts to to Laco's anger is going to be really interesting to see and. <coughs> Yeah. So that's that's Sorry. my number one. Sorry, I get so excited by my own brilliance sometimes. <laughs> I just have to jump in there. <laughs> no, I mean, unless I said anything stupid, I think that I, I or I definitely agree with you. Like him, the most interesting, maybe not the most interesting part, but one of the interesting things about Shang Chi is watching him learn things and learn how much he didn't know. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of the tropey thing you do with a Kung Fu book is have your main character do uh, Kung Fu, the TV show, where it's like, 
all your petty concerns i'm above them and Mm -hmm. you and your squabbling rabble and they do that to a certain extent but it's only in the fights right like if a character gets angry or starts talking the the person he's fighting if that they get angry or start talking he exploits that because that's what he's trained to do um but it isn't it's never it's not as often done in like his thought process of uh, they're squabbling again talking about unimportant things we need to go to do this thing now and no we don't do that often right occasionally but like the most important thing is watching him learn how much he doesn't know right that's cool and and that's that's the thing like shang chi knows how to be measured in his emotional responses in situations like he doesn't go he doesn't go racing into the castle until reston is just like we're coming and he's just like uh fine you know he's very calm and measured in that regard but when it comes to when it comes to his own when it comes to anything that's not battle he's so emotionally ignorant and he he does he has to sit there and He's learning, you know, one of the things we kind of glossed over is the fact that he's listening to uh, her records. Yeah. And Rhiannon by, the album Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac, like, hits him hard. Yeah. And, and it's just all of this stuff, the, this, um, the, this emotional world that he has never not only never encountered but never had to exist in and he's been thrown into the deep end yeah because you or i we're socialized from a very young age and we learn how to navigate some of this stuff but shang chi it's just his father his father wouldn't have taught him about like emotional maturity and about uh, well you know when a when it comes to women you've got to let them do and no like fu manchu is just like Here's the best way to dominate the world. Yeah. <laughs> and like, here's everything you need to know to accomplish that. Well, and like uh, his sister earlier on sort of alluded to this as well. Mm-hmm. And like, he thought she was making fun of him. Um, and maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But like the, the lesson was there and available. And I think he, yeah. he did use it a little. Yeah. he uses all of it a little um it's just understandably slow going so yeah yeah all right so how about you uh you have to do it too (laughs) no i i I, i'm i'm happy to um so my number five is mahayogi and mongu i yeah. I know it seems like I'm joking, but I I want Mahayogi and Mongu to be like the Mystique and Destiny. Oh, uh, yeah. The guy Mystique and Destiny. Like, just like, they're just this supervillain couple. And that would be awesome. I want that so badly. Yeah. I am going to, I'm going to go to Marvel and pitch them that that storyline in fucking i don't know something (laughs) whatever 
Uh, the the 3D Man number volume two number one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, number four, Nova gets rejected by Marvel in his own fucking book in favor of Midas the Million Dollar Mouse. Fucking hell, Rich. Come on. Uh, <laughs> number three, Shang-Chi still hasn't examined some of this shit. And this, this, this is one of those things, like, so often... So often in 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 stories and things like that, uh, it's treated as an all or nothing thing. A character is raised indoctrinated by their parent, and then they find out their parent is full of shit and just switches the room, and they immediately reject everything that parent ever told them. Um, but like, you know, the fact of the matter is, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be even like an abusive parent. It can be anything. I mean, you know, it's one of those things of if you were raised religious and you get away from that as a, as a teenager or an adult, there's still a lot of learned shit that you've got to get over Yeah, that is still like ingrained so heavily yeah. into you um you know and it, it is it's it's not it's not overnight it's not just oh well they were full of shit so i can i now reject everything they told me it's like there's all of this stuff that you reject right off the bat that's just like okay they told me this, 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 and this, so those things are not true. But then there's other things that you're just like, oh, fuck, I never even considered that. Yeah. And that's what Shang-Chi experienced yeah. this week with Han Sung. And the fact that we're now 60 issues in to Master of Kung Fu and he's still discovering these things, I dig that. I yeah. love it. Um, so, yeah. number Numbers two and one... I this was this was a good week for women who are sick of dudes shit. Uh number 2 is the fact that Betty shut Samson the fuck down. Yeah. And the fa- I love the way she does it too because like I know my husband just left but that does not mean you get to just yeah, step in and become my new no. I've got shit to work on. You can step the fuck back yeah and that was great um i also like then, the letter though um because yeah. ross has been given ample opportunity lately to just be a good dad mm-hmm. and he stepped the fuck in i mean he's always a good dad that's the thing about ross that everybody we you know that we talk about all the time is like we forget how Ross is actually a good dad and yeah. um, because he's a dick in all the other media in the comics he's actually a good dad if and if nothing else mm-hmm. um, and her leaving him the letter and his reaction to it um, are both really good because he doesn't like fly off the handle and go after her he's just like I hate this but okay 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's one of those things, like, as a father. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, yeah, no, like, he wants, to, he wants to be there, and he wants to do this for her, He, but she doesn't she doesn't want him there. She doesn't need him there. She needs to do this herself. And that's a really, that's a really tough thing to confront is just, you know, to confront your own irrelevance as a parent to just be like, okay, I have, you're going through something and I can't help you. You have to do it yourself. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but then number one is Laco, uh, wrapping that shit up because, yeah, she she was great because she was just like, nope, fuck you. I'm real close to saying fuck you too. Like <laughs> none of this is okay. Stop treating me like this. Yes. And uh, that was great. Yeah. 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 I can't. And it's, I can't wait for like Misty and Colleen to do the exact same thing to Danny. Yeah. Uh, they they kind of did a little Colleen did or Misty did but like yeah I would love Colleen to just be like you're already way up in my head like for real and mm-hmm. you need to back the shit off um, yeah yeah so yeah uh week was a mixed bag but you know it's one of those things doing this you have to you have to focus on the the good stuff we did have to shine we had to shine this week up a whole lot (laughs) (laughs) through that fossil in the tumbler and uh we had to work to get there but i like what we found in shang chi at least yeah Um, yeah all right so next week we have we have some more nova uh bunch more incredible hulk and then like Two random, a random issue of Eternals and a random issue of Spider-Man. So, uh, is it amazing? Yeah, we haven't read Amazing in forever. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe not. I don't remember. It feels like we haven't read Amazing in forever. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we've got coming down the pike. Uh. In the meantime, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I do want to toss out, we've, uh, we've now surpassed 260 people liking us on Facebook, which, fuck. Hello. Uh, but, hi. <laughs> hi, new friends. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I'm one step closer to my uh, dream of becoming a cult leader. Huh. Um, huh. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> Solid joke. <laughs> I am hating this, aren't I? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you, there will be an entire chapter or two devoted to you in my in the tell-all that comes <laughs> the after dossier. the mass suicide. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, like us on Facebook, follow us on both individually and at Watchers Guide MU on Twitter. Uh, visit our website at watchersguide.com or email us at watchersguide at gmail.com. Uh, have a marvelous week. 
Bye.